Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. We still have two more weeks of work, and, and so the games are over. Um, but just like I told that group in there, um, we're going to lean in on these developmental opportunities between now and then. Uh, we got to move with urgency. We got to prepare with an edge um, because we need to assume that our opponents are doing the same. This is Saverin on Steelers. Hello, and welcome to Saverin on Steelers podcast. A warm welcome to everyone in Steelers Nation. We bring you new Steelers content on our podcast every Tuesday and Thursday. We appreciate you finding us and hope you're enjoying our conversations. Uh, the Steelers, of course, have, if you will, a bye week, not a traditional bye week, but they do get the week off. They've been practicing. They'll have a good, long weekend. And then beginning next week on Monday, they'll be back reporting for work Tuesday is a traditional day off for them. And then Wednesday, they will come in in advance of the Bengals game. And the way this all works is the Steelers coaches, if this were, let's say, in the middle of the season, uh, on Mondays, the players come in, they view tape of yesterday's game. Again, assuming it's a Sunday game. Uh, Then the coaches begin formulating a game plan. The players have Tuesday off, and the coaches do not. They burn the midnight oil. I've been there very late at night, and they're still at it because Tuesday they implement the game plan. They go leave the last game behind, move on to the next opponent. They do their game planning, and so when the players report back for work on Wednesday morning and they get there early, if you wonder what they do all day, um, they get there pretty early, then the coaches give the game plan to the players for the first time Of course, they have meetings, then they hit the practice field with the new game plan intact and ready to go. So that's generally the way their work goes. They work Thursday, Friday, Saturday, a light workout. They may have to travel if they're on the road. And, of course, Sunday is game day. So this week, I would imagine they've probably already uh, begun thinking about the opener, the first game that mattered. My guess is that even during training camp in Latrobe, they may very well Former coaches are telling me what they do. Um, yeah, I can say it. Uh, Bill Cower uh, has told me that uh, toward the end of training camp, uh, even though the first regular season game is a couple, three weeks away, uh, they'll begin putting in some things that they're going to use against their opponent, the opening opponent. Uh, and, and Mike Tomlin does the same thing. Uh, it sure worked out beautifully last year when they really shocked everyone and went into Buffalo and beat the Buffalo Bills, as we know, uh, a very talented team, listed by many as potentially the best team in the AFC. Uh, they'd be my choice, that's for sure. And, of course, we'll see them um, early in the season when the Steelers have to play 
up there in Buffalo. But for right now, they're getting ready for the Cincinnati Bengals. Mike Tomlin is not tipping his hand. Uh, He's playing it close to the vest. But you know what? Although he's trying to keep things quiet, um, he's really not given as much of a poker face because when it comes to starting quarterback, there's not much doubt that it's going to be Mitch Trubisky. And I think it's the wise move. I've felt, we've talked about it here on the podcast and on my daily show on ESPN Pittsburgh, which, by the way, you're welcome to listen to uh, on iHeartMedia or 970 AM in Pittsburgh if you're in the area. Uh, I felt all along that the opening training camps, the OTAs, the mandatory camp, certainly in training camp and throughout practices, even though they've gotten back to Pittsburgh on the south side at their facility, this was really all about Kenny Pickett proving to them that he was advanced enough to be trusted enough to be the backup to Mitch Trubisky. I think they were waiting to see how that would formulate their opinion uh, about Trubisky. I think it was his job to lose. And I think people sometimes forget maybe in their angst to see Kenny Pickett play, and he played extremely well, overshadowed in all of that, is that Mitch Trubisky played very, very well. Maybe didn't get the attention. He was the starter in all three games. I think if there was any doubt whatsoever, that doubt was of those fears, if they were fears, were allayed when he came out and had the late drive in the second quarter to score a touchdown against the Lions just last week. I don't know if there was any doubt. I don't think the coaches had much doubt that Trubisky was the guy. But if there was any sentiment of, well, maybe we need to see some more stuff, I think that cemented it. So, um, again, I think the luxury here is that really all three quarterbacks performed very well. If you look at all their numbers, and I think this is interesting, collectively they did not throw any interceptions. Yes, there were a couple that were dropped. That's part of football. But when you stop and consider that they're instituting a brand-new offense, when you stop and consider there was very little continuity between receiver and quarterback because both Pickett and Trubisky are new. They didn't have a chance to work with the receiver core. Then you factor in Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool were hurt a great amount of the training camp and preseason time. It's and, and then you're left with a lot of young receivers. George Pickens, Calvin Austin really wasn't a factor because he was hurt. But, you know, newer guys like Steven Sims, Tyler Vaughns, Tyler Sneed, Miles Boykin. You could see there was a great opportunity for running the wrong route, running the wrong pattern, or just not being on the same page as the quarterback. Generally, that takes a lot of practice time. You know, we think about, well, what do they do at practice? Well, we hear about hot reads and uh, uh, changing a route, that kind of thing. Well, this is what they do. There may be a play called, and each receiver and the quarterback 
know exactly what it is they're supposed to do. But against a certain opponent in any given week, maybe that opponent plays a bit differently. Maybe their defense varies in their assignments from what their opponent did the week prior. And so maybe to take advantage of what the opposing defense does, the play changes. Same play, but the assignment for that week changes because of what the opponent is going to do. And a lot of that is done on the fly. There's an understanding when you break the huddle, but once you get to the line of scrimmage or even after you see the play developed after the ball is snapped, they are coached to say, if the, let's say the cornerback does this, you're going to do that. If the, corner, if the cornerback does this, then you're going to do something else. And all that has to be done from a telepathic standpoint, going back to your week's worth of practice with that quarterback. Once the play's begun, there's no chance to verbalize what it is you're going to do. You have to know that now. And both the quarterback and the wide receiver have to be exactly on the same page, to use that cliche. They've been coached all week long. This play A, this is the routes we're going to run. Unless the safety bites up, the safety falls back, the cornerback goes outside, then you have to adjust and do this, and you have to read that while the play is going on. And both the receiver and quarterback have to be there. That's a long-winded way of explaining why it is invaluable to have a lot of continuity between the quarterback, whoever he is, and the receiver, whoever he is. And that's why I say it's kind of remarkable that the three quarterbacks did not have one interception between them, dealing with wide receivers who essentially are brand new to them, and vice versa. Back to the wisdom of starting Trubisky over Pickett. This is not to suggest that they're not happy with Kenny Pickett, that they don't believe that he can do that. I mean, they know what they have in Mason Rudolph. But I think it's fair to say, and this is true for all three quarterbacks, that teams generally play very vanilla defenses and offenses, for that matter. I mean, you know, we saw some jet sweeps and that kind of thing. But in our discussion, talking about quarterbacks, let's focus on the defenses that they played. Generally, teams are playing very vanilla defense, very basic, nothing fancy. And it's not because they're worried about meeting the Steelers down the road. Highly unlikely that the Steelers will see Seattle or Detroit unless they meet them in the Super Bowl, and after that, that's fine. But they don't want to show everything. Everybody has the access to the tape. And they don't want to show anything that they might utilize in a game. Steelers do the same thing. They don't want to show something, let's say defensively, that the Bengals can pick up on. And this comes back to our discussion about the quarterbacking. Mitch Trubisky has been in the NFL for a while. He hasn't seen everything. He's not a 15-year veteran, but he's been around. 
and the chances are that he will be more acclimated to the type of defenses they play in the NFL than Kenny Pickett will be. Now, at some point, Pickett will get up to speed, but a rookie is a rookie. And what he saw against Seattle, Jacksonville, and Detroit, it'll be more complex when they play the Bengals on September the 11th. And if that's not enough for you, what happens when Bill Belichick comes to town? Second week of the season, September 18th at Acrisure Stadium, Belichick is notorious for bringing twists to defenses that the opponent has not seen before and have to adapt too quickly. And there was, once upon a time, this incredible stat about how Bill Belichick's defenses fared against rookie quarterbacks. It was amazing how many of those games that the Patriots won. Now, maybe they win them anyway. Maybe they win them against veteran quarterbacks. They certainly did a lot of that. But can you imagine throwing Kenny Pickett to the walls from the get-go? And that's not to say that Trubisky might not be temporarily confused, but it's more likely he's going to be prepared to deal with that kind of thing. Both quarterbacks performed admirably. Both, I think you can feel relatively safe quarterbacking the Steelers. But for now, and for early, at the very least, early on this season, that's why I say Mitch Trubisky is their best bet. Pickett will get his time. But if you're a Steeler fan, and I know you are, you're hoping that it's not this year. That means Trubisky and the offense is performing well. So many issues involved in this team. It's been a really... Very interesting preseason training camp. Glad to welcome in Joe Rudder. He covers the Steelers for the Pittsburgh Tribune Review. Been covering for years. Uh, Joe, let's begin with, does it appear now after you watched the Detroit exhibition game that Jalen Warren has now moved ahead of Benny Snell as the chief backup to Najee Harris? I would think so. I mean, when they took Najee out for a series in the first half, um, you know, Warren was the guy who went in and replaced him. So I took that as an indication that, that they want him as the top backup. Now, does that mean Benny Snell's not on the team? I don't necessarily think that's the case because, you know, he, he has a valued special team here and Mike Tomlin does like Benny Snell. So I, I think they might try to find a way to have both those guys on the roster. Yeah, I do too. I think you're right about that. But it also creates an interesting, if you will, log jam at running back. Uh, Anthony McFarlane has shown what he never showed in his first two years. Um, Derek Watt uh, is on the back of a milk carton, uh, although he was spotted in, uh, you know, civilian clothes. Uh, Do you think there's any way that they do not keep Derek Watt, given his cap hit at 4.7? I think, you know, by the fact he hasn't played at all, it leads to the possibility that they, they don't keep him. But then again, they could also, uh, you know, add him, keep him on the 53, then put him on the short-term injured reserve, um, you know, that way to, you know, to <laughs> honor the contract, even though they maybe don't necessarily intend to use him that much. But, 
yeah, I, I, you know, I could see him being cut because he hasn't performed, but you know, because he's TJ's brother and they've already kept him for two years, you know, may, maybe that's the reason why they, they do it for a third. Yeah. I, I, it, people say, well, they shouldn't consider, um, you know, he's got a brother on the team. Uh, they, you know, they wouldn't, might not do with Carlos Davis and, um, and his brother, but I mean, I, I do think it, it becomes a factor um, after a while. Um, if they, I just thought if they like Connor Hayward that much, um, uh, and they've been working at some fullback during practice, that would be the, I think, the prudent move to make. Uh, it also comes to mind since you brought it up, and I wanted to ask you about this, about short-term injured reserve. Uh, you know, we don't know the severity of Demonte KZ's uh, injury. Uh, first of all, Joe, would you agree that? That's a big loss for them because it allows them to use three safeties and it also allows them to uh, have a make a freelance. Yeah, it, it was a big loss. I mean, this guy really, you know, even in early parts of training camp before Minka signed his contract, really stood out, uh, you know, playing in that free safety spot. And as a guy that could, you know, that could play pretty much anywhere. And he made some big time tackles in some of the preseason games, really stood out in Jacksonville. And I thought he could be a really nice component to this defense on the back end, especially with some of the sub packages they were using. And with him not being around, you know, again, we don't know the severity of it, but, you know, if it's at least four weeks or long, you know, even longer, he, he really had fit in nicely into this defense. So they're going to have to look elsewhere or, or just try to use different packages instead of the one they had, you know, with the third safety on the field. Do you think they trust Trey Norwood to do the kinds of things that KZ was doing? Has he advanced uh, that far? I don't think he's as advanced of a player. I mean, KZ's a veteran who had, you know, I think 15 starts with Dallas last year. But I know they like Norwood enough that they were using him, you know, in the dime pack. It's kind of, you know, to roam out there a little bit. Uh, maybe they think that's where he kind of can fit in because um, he is a guy that tends to be around the ball a lot. But, I, you know, I don't think he's the type of hitter or anything like that that DeMonte KZ is. I mean, you know, I think that's where he's really going to be missed, his ability to make those tackles and, and you know, keep those, you know, plays from getting longer and the, that we saw last year. And I think he's a guy that can, you know, just, you know, tackle the catch and get the ball carrier on the ground. Now, we haven't seen uh, Elijah Riley. We saw him yesterday. He made a couple nice plays. He's a veteran. He's only 24. Um, I, I was surprised um, that they didn't put a special patch on his jersey. You know, you go to, like, the, one of these luncheons, and they hand out these sticker things that, hello, my name is, and then they write your name is. I would have, I thought Austin Riley might do the same thing. Um, if KZ goes on IR, which is probably what's going to happen, um, do they like him enough, or is it premature to even discuss him? Yeah, I think it's premature. We don't really know anything about him. He just, you know, just joined the roster. Um, you know, another guy that you know came here after the Jets didn't want him anymore. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's the thing, you know, it's, I, I don't think they were planning on having him around much longer, but I think maybe you have to take a look at him or you go out and try to find somebody once the waiver, you know, once the, uh, once the cuts are made and see who's out there. And, you know, once players clear waivers or put in a waiver claim for somebody, if you like them, you know, just to see what you can add to your roster. I think there's going to be a lot of those type of moves in the next week or so, but, and that could be something the Steelers are exploring. Yeah, that's you know, and they lost Carl Joseph for the year, um, so they're right now they're thin there. Um, I, I'm beginning to wonder if the injury to Calvin Austin isn't more serious than we had anticipated. 
once again, not dressed. Uh, it's been a month since he's been seen at practice. Um, is he a candidate for the short term? I mean, obviously you can't expose him to waivers. Is he a candidate to make the 53 and then go on short-term IR? And I just asked, as I hate to put you on the spot, is there a limit? I thought there were two. Is there a limit to the number of guys that you can put on short-term IR and bring them back? There are, to answer the second part, there are, I, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but there are a, there is a limit of number of players, I think. I think there's maybe six or eight this year. I know it's, it used to be like one, and they went up to two, and I think right. they've added more. They've bumped it up more. I don't know that exact number off the top of my head. But, yeah, he would seem to be. He hasn't done anything. He's been out on the field. Uh, we tried to ask him the other day, the last practice before the game, and he was real coy about what he can do, what he can't do. You could tell he was coached up pretty well from the coaching staff. So I would think, especially with a guy who relies so much on the speed, being that it's a foot injury, he's going to have to need some time to get, you know, to work his way back. So I think that's, you know, they, they've been going this far without him. I can see him definitely being a candidate for that, for the injured reserve. And, uh, you know, so that, that buys them the first four weeks of the season to work somebody else in there. But, yeah, I don't know the number off the top of my head. Um and I, and I, yeah, I, I know you, I know it's like maybe six or eight, eight players total. Okay, good. That's good to know. It used to be six weeks. Now it's four, apparently. Yeah, well, it was three during COVID. They had three week injured reserve. They, they agreed to keep the short term injured reserve, but they moved it back to four weeks, you know, for this season. Well, that creates an interesting thing. If he goes, let's wait, if he's not available for a month, and are you getting the feeling that's a list Frank injury? I guess it could be. I mean, that's what uh, Najee Harris revealed that he had. Yeah. You know, and he, uh, you know, he, he said it was four weeks for him, and he's just starting to kind of get back, you know, on his feet there. And Austin was hurt right before the first preseason game, so yeah, he's a little behind that time frame. So he's maybe closer to three weeks into it. So yeah, that definitely could be, you know, a possibility. If that indeed is the case, um, it, it would seem, Joe, does Miles Boykin automatically make the team, and would they also because if Austin is not available, they would keep not only Boykin, but Sims. I would think Boykin's done enough that he, he he's going to be close. I would think so. Um, I think, you know, what's going to happen is Austin's going to be among your, you know, definitely your top four. Then you've got Olszewski and then whichever one of those guys you keep, Boykin or Sims, one of them you're going to have to cut. And then after you put um, Austin on the injured reserve, then you can re-sign him to the 53, and he'll be your sixth receiver. So I would imagine that would be kind of how it plays out. And I would think both of those guys will clear waivers and be able to come through. Because if you put Austin on injured reserve now, then you lose him for the season. Right, exactly. Um, inside linebacker, um, Devin Bush didn't allay anyone's fears. Um, is there a battle, for example, the four spot between Mark Robinson and Buddy Johnson. Well, I, I, I think I mean Mark Robinson. I think has done enough that he's you know, even though he's a seventh round pick, he he seems to be a lock to make this team. I think he's done enough in preseason to show that uh, you know he deserves one of those spots. Buddy Johnson, I'm not so sure about. I mean, they, they're going to need more players there, but uh, you know maybe he makes the roster. But he's I think he's been pushed behind by Mark Robinson as is your fourth option there. Yeah, undoubtedly it's. Um... Uh, I really think Buddy Johnson is going to be cut. I've watched him 
Uh, I, I just don't think he can play um, at, at this level. Um, not that you don't have enough headaches of your own, but uh, what do you do with the, <laughs> what do you do with the offensive line? I was just talking with a caller. Um, you know, clearly they're going to be scouring waiver wires and trade possibilities. But for those who uh, optimistic Steeler fans who think they're going to pluck Anthony Munoz uh, off one of those lists, um, are, are they just stuck with what they have? Well, unless somebody pops out, like you said, on uh, you know that gets cut by Tuesday at four o'clock, they pretty much are. I mean, I don't think there's anything really out there free agency and those type of players that they're out there this long. You have to ask yourself, why are they sitting out there? this long without being on a team all, all summer. Um, yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, you, the one thing is last year at this point is when they realized Zach Banner wasn't going to be ready and they moved Chooksacor for back to the right side, plugged in Dan Moore there. Um, but I, they don't have, you know, they, they can't really do that kind of, there's no, nobody they can stick in there. That's going to be any better than what they have. I don't see any readjustment. I don't see Mason Cole and James Daniels flipping for instance, or, uh, you know, Kendrick Green all of a sudden going back to center. You know, he might struggle to make the team as it is. Um, you know, I think they're stuck with the seven or the five guys they have in the order they have them and just keep trying to get them reps and get them ready for the season and, uh, you know, hope that it starts clicking at some point. Um, people have to remember that Dan Moore was kind of an emergency guy. And I don't think they ever anticipated that he would have to learn on fire. Uh, I mean, he had his issues last year. But nothing like this. Um, how in the world has he regressed? I mean, some people might suggest that he hasn't regressed. He's the same. I didn't think he was, you know, all that horrible last year, or at least not as noticeable. And and, and frankly, he should have been because of Ben's immobility. Um, but uh, I mean, is it clearly uh, a matter of him regressing? Um, have you talked to coaches about this? Uh, I haven't had to talk to the position coach for it's been a few weeks, and at that point, that you know they were still really high on what uh, Pat Meyer was really high on what you know Dan Moore was able to do and, and could do. Yes, he clearly he has regressed. I thought he performed better as the year went on last year, uh, but this you know this camp so far he looks he looks lost out there. Maybe it's what Pat Meyer's trying to teach them. Maybe he's you just not familiar with those kind of techniques. Uh, I'm not sure. You know, he's also worked well. He's working with Kevin Dotson, who you know was there last year. Uh, you know, he hasn't worked with Kendrick Green that much in the past few weeks, so I don't think that should be an issue. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they have kept him in the same spot. They're trusting him to do the same job. For some reason, he's just not getting it done. And and you're right. He was a guy that, you know, until about this point last year, wasn't expected to start. You know, he was going to be their kind of swing tackle and, and guy that, you know, they could try to mold him along to eventually become a starting offensive lineman. But it's happened a lot sooner than expected. And this year, it's for whatever reason, it just hasn't taken. You know, Joe, I don't know if you'll agree with me here, um, but, you know, Bate, maybe, maybe, maybe the guy that should just sit for a while. Um, and I know he's currently in the concussion protocol, but assuming he gets two weeks to recover, I'm not so sure that I wouldn't start Joe Hague at left tackle. They could lean that way. I don't think he's a long-term solution, but he could be a short-term solution. Um, you know, they were – they. Mike Tomlin seemed to indicate that Joe Haig was getting closer to being back ready to play. Maybe he was held out of that game as a precaution. Um, but, yeah, that's a possibility. But, uh, you know, he, he is, a, is a valuable guy that can play guard as well, play both sides. So maybe that's something they look at. We, you know, that, <laughs> that doesn't bode well for your offensive line when you're no. tinkering with the left tackle going into the season opener, trusting him to protect your quarterback. But then again, with the way Dan Moore's playing out there, you know, you, you don't want to see, uh, you know, 
Mitch Trubisky sacked eight times in the opener either. Bring where you know where Sharp poor Danish when you need him. You remember him? <laughs> I do remember. Him. <laughs> uh, you think Banner was a character? Sharp poor Danish was it, it was even a bigger character. And God rest his soul, Tunch Ilkin loved Sharp poor Danish. That was his favorite guy. He loved that guy. Yeah. So Sharp, you're out there. Uh, it, it also brings to mind um, we have seen not the full extent of the Matt Canada offense. But it's quite obvious that this offense, um, the quarterbacks they have, the top two, are a good fit for it, and it may be a sign of necessity. Um, and, again, not to point a finger at Ben. You know, he was what he was last year. But, you know, there were a number of plays even yesterday where that's an automatic sack, but Trubisky was able to buy time, and we know Kenny Pickett can do the same. So maybe this is really a, a great merging at the confluence of the concept of the offense and the quarterbacks that they have to execute it, not to mention the necessity of it all because of this offensive line. Yeah, and you know, I imagine when they wanted to get a mobile quarterback like Mitch Trubisky and then drafted someone that was so good at throwing on the run like Kenny Pickett, they didn't imagine they'd have to be running for their life every snap. And that, you know, that certainly was the case. You know, they wanted to do it by design, not by, uh, you know, out of fear that they're getting chased around the pocket. And as you saw in the first few plays that, you know, Mitch Trubisky had, you know, he sacked for one and nine-yard losses because he, you know, he had to get out there and try to make things happen. Um, yeah, I mean, that definitely is going to come into play. And I think when it, you know, when the line stabilizes, if it does, that you'll see that type of offense evolve more and you'll see more of that rollout and, uh, you know, trying to create plays like that, they just frankly weren't able to do when Ben was in there just because he, he couldn't move around anymore at his age. I want to add this. Uh, our friends at Steelers in that, their, uh, their, their blog site, uh, he says that you can bring back up to eight players from IR in a season, and they have to be on there for at least four weeks. So eight players. So um, it's, it's really not that much of an issue. Um, last thing for you, Joe, I don't know what your uh, preseason prognostication from, for them was. Um, if you even had one, or maybe just formulated one in the back of your mind. But based on what you've seen from the offensive line in the last couple of weeks, and they did put together some nice drives, you know, to their credit, um, has the performance of the offensive line sort of decreased your optimism and their chances this season? Yeah, I would say so, at least from what I've seen. Um, and, and it's hard to gauge on the teams they played because they didn't exactly play, uh, you know, the murderer's row of a preseason schedule, you know, three of the, the worst teams in the NFL based on, you know, projections this year and, and, you know, in Jacksonville's case, how they played last year. So I think it's hard to, hard to gauge what, what they've played against from that standpoint. But, uh, yeah, I think the line could really, you know, hurt expectations this year. You know, the offense seems like it's found, found some kind of rhythm and Trubisky's kind of developed, their, you know, uh, some chemistry with some of the receivers. But you just got to wonder, you know, how much that's that's going to impact things, and you know, that it could really, you know, it could could lead to some losing, and it also could lead to Kenny Pickett getting in there maybe sooner than the Steelers wanted. And on the other side of the ball, um, they did make some. And again, you know, they weren't playing their number one quarterback. Not that Jared Goff is a candidate for the Hall of Fame, but he's better than the two guys we saw. DeAndre Swift did not play. Um, and yet they had some success on the ground, as they did a year ago in the regular season game. But do you think that the defense has the makings of being a unit capable, not of carrying the offense, 
but of supporting the offense, like giving him short fields like they did yesterday, even though they didn't convert them into touchdowns. Yeah, I think that has the case. I think it's going to be a better defense than last year. I think they're going to be better against the run. I think Larry and Joe, Ogan Joby helps out a lot in that regard. Now you've got to keep you know, the two uh, other guys that are in their mid-30s healthy to, you know, to make sure that happens. But, um, yeah, and I, I think so. And I think if they play better up front, maybe Devin Bush is, you know, not as noticeable on some of those, you know, bad plays like he was on that draw. And you can get, you know, and if you get Alex Highsmith healthy, that's another big if. Yeah. He might be the key to this whole defense right here, you know, him being able to stay healthy and have, you know, build on the progression he had in his first two years. I think it can be a better defense. I think they, you know, it's, I like what they have on the back end, um, you know, with the cornerbacks the and safeties. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll have to see. But I expect the defense to be better. Um, you know, they couldn't be any worse than they were against the run, that's for sure. Thanks very much, Joe. Joe Rudder of the Pittsburgh Tribune Review. You can follow the Steelers with Joe at the Trib. That concludes another Savern on Steelers podcast. Hope you enjoyed. Tell your friends um, if they're really in this good Steelers contract uh, content. We hope it's good. Uh, we hope that you think it's good. That's the important part of all this. Let them know about our podcast again, Steelers.com. Uh, you can get it there. Listen at your leisure. Also want to remind you that I have a daily show on ESPN Pittsburgh. That's 970 AM. That's also readily available on the iHeartMedia app. And also I tweet out um, every hour of every show. We're on two hours from noon to two, Monday through Friday. And you can just go to the uh, iHeartMedia app or go to my Twitter account, at Stan Love the Show, and you can listen to the daily show as well. Thanks for joining us on Savern on Steelers. We'll talk to you next time. AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? I got to change the oil in my car. Right now, get five quarts of Pennzoil Platinum Full Synthetic with an STP Extended Life Oil Filter for only $36.99. What do I do with my old oil? We can recycle your used oil for free. And do you have oil for my old work truck? You can find the right high mileage oil to help it go farther right here at AutoZone. Restrictions apply. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.